Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people, and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part four of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapters 52 and 53, called The Suffering Servant. Hi, everybody. It's good to see you tonight. Isaiah 53 is what you want. We are blessed to be in one of the most rich chapters in all the scripture. And uh, we're going to look at the second half tonight of Isaiah 53. We'll read it in whole because it's so powerful. We'll read up to verse 6 and then I'll talk to you a little bit about where we're headed. So Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. Isaiah 53, 3. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, verse four, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, or his stripes, we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Let's pray one more time. Father, uh, each time we read the Bible, we're on holy ground, but it just seems, especially in Isaiah 53, that we, we contact the holy It's a humbling, uh, majestic passage because it tells us that the very God of the universe, the creator and sustainer of the universe became a man and indeed a man of sorrows, but not his sorrow, our sorrows. What you decided to carry was not your sin, our sin. You are without sin. The reason you came into this world is to serve and to give your life as a ransom for many And it is a great love. There's only one word that really can describe why you would do this, and it's because you so love the world that you gave your only son, that whoever believes in him, they won't perish. They'll have everlasting life. And so, Lord, as we look at this second half of this passage, we're gonna see a God who seeks out strays, a God who loves sheep that go their own way. And a God who calls us to follow and there are implications for our lives, Lord, because uh, we we have a great salvation but there's implications. We're, We're also supposed to serve and love as you do. And so there is an application here that's very profound. It's probably the hardest application of all. It's to take up our cross, to serve one another in love and to follow you. But you've given us the model and you've blazed the trail and you've given us the power to do it. And so we just want to pray tonight that as we look at this 
majestic passage, we won't forget what it means to us to be saved by your finished work, but also what it means to live out the gospel. We ask that in Jesus' name, amen. Now, we did go up um, last time to verse 7. We actually start, stopped at verse 6. We were going to um, continue at verse 7. But in light of the fact that on Sunday morning we're looking at Luke 15 and we're going to talk about lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son, the theme of lostness comes up and God's view of the lost. The rabbis used to say that God was merciful to any penitent sinner. So if a sinner would repent of their sin and if they would get right with God, then the rabbi said that God would forgive them. But there wasn't a whole lot of teaching about a God that pursued stray sheep or lost people. Uh, There wasn't a whole lot of uh, teaching that showed the heart of God in, in the sense of the lostness of people. And of course, all through the book of Isaiah, what we've been watching is really a broken-hearted God, a God who keeps saying, get away from your idols and I will heal you. I'll give you true life. But over and over again, what we've seen in the pattern of the book of Isaiah is a God who wants the full-fledged allegiance of a people, but they won't give it to him, so he has to judge them and discipline them. And so that's when, when we arrive at a crescendo of theology, we would say that the whole book of Isaiah has been hinting at and pointing at a redemption that will come outside of man's ability to bring it. It will come from God himself. God will do what we cannot do for ourselves. And that's the majesty of Isaiah 53. The Bible gives an all-encompassing um, edict here or it, it shows us all our condition when it says in verse six, all of us, uh, that's everybody, all of us, well, we're like sheep and that's not a very, <laughs> uh, I guess, a good thing to be compared to because if you know anything about sheep, you know they're, they're not high on the IQ scale, let's put it that way. Uh, shepherds have said that other sheep have been known to follow one another into open fires, follow one another over the edge of a cliff, be scared at the, just the appearance of a jackrabbit. And so the thing that brings rest uh, to the sheep is the presence and the voice of the shepherd. And there's gotta be a bunch of other things in place as well. He's gotta been, he has to prepare the ground and, and prepare a, a safe place for them. But they feel safest when he's around and when they know he's protecting them. The sad thing about human beings is that though we know better, It seems like we often go astray. Uh, Chapter 53, verse six says, all of us like sheep, and then it it tells us the reason why we're compared to sheep. We stray. We're prone to wander, Lord, we feel it. And though probably all of us in this room can say that we've experienced grandeur and beauty and grace uh, from the hand of God beyond what we could conceive, grace upon grace, love upon, Um, unconditional uh, times that he's come into our darkness and rescued us time and time again. Yet we have been prone to leave this God that we love. The question is, why do we do it? (laughs) I I suppose uh, it's a complex question, but yet a simple one. We, We have this bent towards doing things our own way. We tend to not Um, get the message until things have radically gone amiss. And then God says, do you remember me? I'm over here. 
I haven't moved. You've been straying. And the cool thing about God is that he's a seeker of straying sheep. It's a beautiful thing. (laughs) And if you've ever been sought by him, you know how it works. Sometimes there's things that fly in your direction and you duck for a while and sometimes you feel like you, you know, the very shepherd staff has grabbed you and you've almost been forced into a 180. But whatever the case may be, the truth of the, the matter is that we've all done this and we all do it. We all have these sheep-like tendencies. I mentioned to you uh, when we were together last time that the Jews had what they called a Judas sheep. This was a sheep that was known to stray and he, was, he would be named the Judas sheep. Or at least shepherds have what they call a Judas sheep. So we, each of us, we've gone astray. All of us have. And the emphasis again in the middle of the verse, each of us has turned. And when we turn, what we do is we turn to our own way. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. When we don't go the way of God, what we do is we go our way. And our way can look good for a little while, but the truth of the proverb says that our way leads to death. But it seems right sometimes. It even can be attractive. It can be enticing. Uh, then we go that way and we find that, you know what, there's really not what we expected on the other side. So each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord, here's what the Lord did. This is the shepherd who comes to save straying sheep. The Lord caused the iniquity, and here's the repetition of us all, all of us straying sheep. The iniquity, the sin of us all, it fell on him. And so the good shepherd came to lay down his life for the sheep. When Jesus arrived on the scene, that's how he described himself. He described himself as the good shepherd and the way that he would bring straying sheep into the fold is by giving his life for them. So I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd does what? He lays down his life for the sheep. In John 10, when John is describing Jesus's words there, Jesus describes himself as the door or the door to the sheepfold. And often we understand from these times that the shepherd actually would become the door. He would literally become the door between the predator and his sheep. He would lay in the opening so that no predator would get to his sheep. The only time the sheep was uh, um, open to the predator was when he was where? Outside the safety of the guarding shepherd. And what the shepherd did is radical. He allowed the iniquity of all of us to fall on him. Would you turn to the book of Ezekiel? So you're gonna go to your right now, pass up Jeremiah, Lamentations, and you're gonna get to Ezekiel. Go to chapter 34. I wanna show you this beautiful picture of God as a pursuer of straying sheep. This is uh, Ezekiel 34, verse one. The word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, 34.1, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, thus says the Lord God, woe shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves should not the shepherds feed the flock. 34.3, you eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly, you have not strengthened. The diseased, you have not healed. The broken you have not bound up, the scattered you have not brought back, nor have you sought for the lost, but with force 
and with severity you have dominated them. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Walk in Truth has more content for you to listen to with our mini-sodes A Step Closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. The next topic to dive into is the potential overturning of Roe v. Wade. Even if we threw out having to land on when does life begin, when a majority of those abortions happen, right, is in between generally 6 to 12 weeks, And, you know what I mean, there's a heartbeat, there's, everything's pretty much intact. The only thing that child or that baby needs is time and nutrition. It's fully formed. To listen to the Walk in Truth mini-sodes a step closer, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. Again, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Those who are sickly, you have not strengthened. The diseased, you have not healed. The broken, you have not bound up. The scattered, you have not brought back. Nor have you sought for the lost, but with force... And with severity, you have dominated them. Skip down to verse 10. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I'm against the shepherds, and I shall demand my sheep from them. If you have an NIV, it says, I'm against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock and make them cease from feeding sheep. So the shepherds will not feed themselves anymore, but I shall deliver my flock from their mouth that they may not be food for them. They were actually devouring the sheep. For thus says the Lord God, this is Ezekiel 34, 11. Behold, notice what happens now. I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. If you have an NIV, it says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he is among his scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. It's amazing. God is the pursuer of sheep. God is the one that pursues stray sheep. And the amazing thing about God is that he decided that he would do this on his own. He decided that he would pursue you and me. I don't know where you were straying when God found you. I don't know how he got your attention. I don't know each one of your stories personally, but I know quite a few of them. And I know that all of them have the similar ring. We were kind of on the edge of a cliff dangling and the Lord rescued us. Uh, You don't have to have a background of um, the most egregious sins to know what that's like. You can be saved from your own pride. You can be saved from ruining relationships. You can be saved from drugs and alcohol. You can be saved from uh, any sin that you could imagine. Uh, Even King David committed murder and adultery. And the good shepherd 
went to get his straying sheep. And he stirred Nathan the prophet and said, Nathan, you go talk to him. And Nathan, remember, told him the story. And it included a little ewe lamb. And, uh, you know, God had given David so much and yet David still found a way to stray and say, this is not enough. And of course, David, in Psalm 32 and uh, Psalm 51, describes that period of his life and it was a, it was a time of uh, desperate dryness, a time of, um, he felt like he was being consumed physically and emotionally because he was away from the God that he loved. And so this, this shepherd comes into the scene in Isaiah 53, and he comes to take away our iniquity by dying in our place. And as the text turns now, it shows you what happens to him. He becomes the straying sheep, though he never strayed. He becomes the afflicted sheep. He becomes the one that's treated as the sacrifice, the one that will be killed, though he did nothing wrong. And here's what it says, Isaiah 53, verse seven. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. The word afflicted there is used in Exodus 3, 7, of the affliction that was brought upon the Israelites from the taskmasters as they were in slavery. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, verse 7, Isaiah 53, and like a sheep that is silent before its shears, so he did not open his mouth. When an animal is going to be killed, an animal doesn't really know what's going on. You know, you can, you can have an animal on a farm and feed it and feed it and feed it, and then all of a sudden the day for butchering comes and the animal doesn't really know any better, but its end comes and whack, it's over. But the whole time that Jesus was living and then as he was moving from Galilee to Jerusalem, he knew where he was headed. He wasn't a sheep that didn't have the mental acumen to know that he was headed to disaster, to death and the weight of the sin of the world being thrust upon him. He knew exactly what he was doing. He had the full mind and understanding of what it would mean both physically and carrying the weight of the sins of the world. He was a very... Uh, calm, uh, informed mind, yet a submitted mind. And as he stood before the religious leader, some people stood up and they began to give false testimony against him. And they said, we heard that this man says he'll destroy the temple made with hands. And in three days, he said, I'll build another one made without hands, Mark fourteen fifty nine. And not even in this respect was their testimony consistent. And the high priest stood up and came forward and questioned Jesus. And he said, do you make no answer? There he is silent. What is it that these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent. He made no answer. And again, the high priest was questioning him, saying to him, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed one? And then finally Jesus said, I am. That's Mark 14, 62. So Jesus was silent before the false testimony, before his accusers. And then finally he said, if you want to know, I'm the Messiah. And by oppression, verse eight, and judgment, the word for judgment there is mishpat, and it speaks of judgment and justice because God's justice will be satisfied in Jesus Christ. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Probably means here taken away to die. And as for his generation, who considered, who really pondered, that he was cut off, that means a uh, strong physical death, out of the land of the living. Why? 
for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due. See, the truth of the cross is, I belong there. The truth of the cross is, he doesn't deserve to die there. This man who is with us right now, he's done nothing wrong. Remember what one of the thieves said? But we, we're up here because obviously we're paying the due penalty of our crimes, but him? And what does he say? Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, oh, you have a problem. First you need to get down from the cross, find a baptistry. No. (laughs) For those uh, friends of ours, look, baptism is important, but... It's the grace of God. It's the atonement of Christ that saves us. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. See, I recognize right now that the stroke being thrust upon you was due to me. I understand, as the New King James says, for the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. The word for stroke, if you have an NAS, uh, speaks of a wound or a blow. Uh, And of course, Jesus took multiple blows but then he took the wounds of the cross T.R. Burke says each sin of every sinner would be like a separate wound in the heart of this man of sorrows you've been listening to The Suffering Servant Part 4 on Walk in Truth that's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapters 52 and 53 If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our Free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to our new mini-sodes called A Step Closer. Now, our Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. And with our app, you can learn more about Living Truth Christian Fellowship, the church behind Walk in Truth, where Pastor Michael Lance serves as senior pastor. If you're local to Southern California, the app gives updates and information about upcoming Bible studies, free events, and services, both for you and your kids. If you live outside Southern California, you can still benefit from the Living Truth app because you can listen or watch Pastor Michael's previous teachings, and you can contact the church if you have any questions or comments. Download the free Living Truth app in your app store. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word before we go. Well, you know, there's a sobering reality to the gospel, and that is that The gospel is preached, but what you do with it really matters. And maybe you have a measure of regret. Maybe uh, there was someone that you wish you would have witnessed to more or been a more effective witness in front of, and now they're gone. And, you know, this is hard to share, but maybe you're not sure what their destiny is. And you've heard, you know, the idea that after one dies, that's it. You know, then comes the judgment. Now what? You know, maybe maybe you're trying to make up for it. Maybe you feel responsible. And, and I'll tell you, um, ultimately what we have to rest in is the sovereignty of God. We do our part. And look, I'm trying to do my part, and I'm sure you're trying to do your part. Do we do it perfectly every day? No. But that's why we trust in the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why we we see that the Lord works through the gospel preached and it's not always our lips that are going to be the one to deliver it to uh, a close family member or friend. So I would just encourage you to, to trust in the mercy of God, in the grace of God, and don't try to earn something back, if you know what I'm saying. You can't do that. Uh, everything is in his hands, and that's where we rest. This is Pastor Michael Lance. This is Walk in Truth, and we're walking through the book of Isaiah. We're in Isaiah 53 right now. 
And we have been telling you about a ministry, uh, an extra layer of our ministry called A Step Closer. We are podcasting uh, special topics where we get into a small group. We've done one on the resurrection and currently the one that is airing or just aired on A Step Closer is on the leaked Roe v. Wade decision. I sat with uh, Pastor Shane Lance, my oldest son, and Angie Plaza, and Angie has a powerful testimony. And I tell you, the dialogue was powerful. Um, it was truth wrapped in grace and uh, honesty and love. And even though it was some hard truth, it's really beneficial truth. I would point you to the podcast today. So just on your favorite podcast app, just search for Walk in Truth, look for a step closer mini-sodes, and you'll be able to access that. And uh, hey, if you have any questions or you would like to recommend maybe something that we tackle in the future, reach out to us by email at contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you right here. Lord willing, tomorrow. And don't forget, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and it helps us do our free apologetic events too. Please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part five of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapters 52 and 53 called The Suffering Servant. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.